Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, dad's gonna kill me, (laughs) or mom will never forgive me. Remember having that thought as a kid, probably as a teenager, after you did something stupid? Uh, If you are a teenager here today, I hope that has not happened to you this week. But for many of us, we've had moments in life where we've thought that. Maybe it's the first time you got a speeding ticket or were in a fender bender that was, was your fault and you had to call your parents or worse, walk into your house and explain to them uh, what happened. And you're thinking, they're going to kill me. They're never going to forgive me. Or the absolute worst was when you did something against your mom and then she said the most horrifying words. You you might know what they are. Just wait until your dad gets home. Now that was the worst, right? It's terrifying. Like like the, the, the waiting was always worse than the punishment itself. And it doesn't matter how good a parents you had. Like I had great, loving, kind, caring parents, if you've lived any significant amount of life, you've, you've had that happen where if even for a moment you begin to believe that your parents' love for you, their commitment to you is based on how well you behave. Here's the thing. If we're not careful, we can begin to believe the same thing about God. And that's what I want to talk about today as we kick off our Christmas sermon series called The Way in a Manger. Since it is officially Christmas now at Element, I feel like I can say Merry Christmas and people don't think it's too weird. So Merry Christmas uh, to everyone who's here today. If you didn't hear earlier, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here and I'm just so glad uh, that all of you have chosen to be here today. Uh, To those of you who are joining us online, thank you for being with us as well. I know this is not the the best way for us to engage with the church, but for many of you, it's the only way you can do that right now. And, And please know, it does not change the way we feel about you as a part of our family or a part of our home. And if you live in or near Cheyenne, I'm going to continue to challenge you to attend church in person whenever you are able and allowed uh, to do so, please do not choose this avenue uh, for for church simply out of convenience or out of comfort. There's something very important and very powerful about God's people gathering together in person. We just experienced it in the room during worship where, where the body of Christ comes together to lift up God. That's actually what the word church means in the Bible, by the way. The word church in the Bible in the Greek language is ekklesia. It means assembly, a gathering of people or a body of people. And we want you to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. It's our vision here for for all of us. And again, I know that for a lot of you, you literally can't come, you shouldn't come right now. But for some of you, it's gonna be really, really hard for you to engage uh, God's vision for you in his church if you choose this avenue just because it's comfortable or convenient for you. I just wanna push in on you a little bit and challenge you to attend in person if you can. If you're worried about social distancing, I would uh, invite you to attend uh, the 12.30 service, which has the most room by far. Um, You can uh, attend that service and we have plenty of room to continue expanding and growing and social distancing 
distancing if that's what you're worried uh, about. Uh, and it helps keep seats open at our more popular services, 8.30 and 10.30. In fact, even for those of you who are here in person at the 10.30 service, uh, you guys, thank you, thank you so much for choosing this service. Uh, you, you may not know it, but simply by attending this service, you are a part of our vision because we're able to reach more people. Uh, this this uh, attendance today is pretty good for a third service, uh, but we still have all the seats behind the curtains there, so we have room to expand. So please, thank you, first of all, for attending. You guys are my favorite service because you attend the service. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Uh, but also, uh, please uh, make sure if you can, if you can, to keep attending this service. It helps us out tremendously, especially in the holiday season as we're anticipating more and more people attending during Christmas. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> um, I said earlier, but to kind of bring, it, bring us back in here, uh, there are times, I think we've all experienced it, even if it's for a moment that we, we will believe that our parents' love for us, their commitment to us is based on how well we behave, it, it should be no surprise then that we often project that same feeling, that same belief upon God. At least I know I've done that. I do that in, in my own life. We'll say things like this, God would never forgive me for that. God doesn't want to take me back again. Like God doesn't want me near him or in his presence, whatever it is, but I actually believe the good news that, that the Christmas story proves all of those things wrong, proves all of them wrong. In fact, here's the big idea for today. If you want to write it down, you can. Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. Can I get an amen? Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. Aren't you thankful for that truth and that reality? What a great truth to start our, our, our talk today. And, and in saying that about God's commitment, I know that not everybody here or listening to me uh, believes in God. And I'm just going to be totally honest with you and transparent. I'm praying that changes today. I'm praying that there's someone Maybe just one person today who will truly get a glimpse of who God is, how he feels about you, what he did for you, and that you'd put your faith in God through Jesus and your life would be changed forever. I'm, no apology in saying that's, that's my goal today for, for all of us. But, but even if you don't do that, if you don't believe in God, God's love for you doesn't change. He already proved it. Our love for you is not going to change. We're going to love you and honor you as best we can, no matter what you, uh, what you believe, because Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. So we need to answer this big question today. How does Christmas prove God's commitment? How does Christmas prove God's commitment? Main scripture is Luke 2. Verses 6 through 11, Luke is the third book in the New Testament portion of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Chapter 2 is actually the most detailed, in fact, the most popular account of the Christmas story in Scripture. Even if you don't believe in God or know the Bible, you've probably heard this Scripture read before. If you want to, you can follow along on the screens. It's all there. Uh, but I do think there's something valuable about following along in your own Bible, so I'd encourage you to do that. If you don't own one and you're here in person, ask for one at guest services. We'll get you a Bible free of charge or download a free one on any mobile device called YouVersion. 
Each week in the series, we're going to use Luke chapter 2 as our launching point. So a little heads up on where we're going in the series. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the way to true joy. Could anyone use some joy these days? Uh, In two weeks, looking at how Jesus is the way to lasting peace. I don't know about you, but in the midst of all this chaos, I could use some, some peace. And then on Christmas Eve, I'm going to be sharing something with you that I learned this year that I never knew about the Christmas story. I don't know why I didn't know it. If it was just laziness on my part or somebody just didn't teach it, I don't know. But I'm gonna share it with you and it's gonna bring so much more depth and power and meaning, even more so to the Christmas story. I hope I'm not building it up too much, but I can't wait for that on Christmas Eve. And speaking of Christmas Eve, this year, uh, we are offering three Christmas Eve services at two, four, and 6 p.m., okay? Uh, Simply due to the number of volunteers we have, we can only offer three services. Uh, We normally offer more services because people come on Christmas Eve that don't normally come, Uh, but because of our volunteer situation, we don't have a whole lot. We can only offer three, and we're only offering our eKids ministry in the 4 and 6 p.m. service. So for you guys, if you could attend the 2 p.m. service, because that was kind of taking the place of our 1230 service, uh, or if you don't have kids, especially, and you could attend that 2 p.m. service, we're expecting the 4 and 6 to be a little bit more full. If you'd like to volunteer, Not just at Christmas Eve, but if you want to volunteer, like if you're a part of the body of Christ, but you're not serving the body yet, you need to do that. You can stop by guest services and sign up to volunteer or go to our website if you're watching online and you can volunteer as well. All three services will be live online. We're going to keep on doing that. But because space is limited, we're not focusing on, you know, doing a bunch of marketing and invites and invite cards this year because space is limited. We are going to focus though on something super cool. This year we're focusing on prayer during this Christmas season. On every seat when you came in was a you've been prayed for card. I want you to take this with you today, okay? And here's what I want us to do. I want you to just ask God, who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to encourage this Christmas season? And then do it. The the Christmas season is known for life, joy, happiness, peace, but we all know that's not always the case, especially in this season that we're in. And so who could you encourage? Who could you pray for? Simply ask God, and then don't be weird, but you know, say a prayer for him and then let him know. Hey, so you know, I'm thinking about you, praying for you, support you, have a Merry Christmas. It's already pre-postage. We paid the postage. All you gotta do is mail it, take these with you. You might send one to a family member, a a loved one, a coworker, uh, maybe a teacher, someone in education, first responder, frontline worker, community civic leader, whatever it is. I want us to blanket our community this season with encouragement and support and prayer. These will be available every Sunday through the series, all the way through the 20th, okay? And so we we won't put them on the seats every week, but they're available every week. So if you want more, uh, take more and we'll print more if we need to. But that's for uh, this Christmas season to encourage and pray for people. Today, we're picking up in Luke chapter 2, verse 6. Mary, uh, the Bible tells us, was great with child. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was a, a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary was great with child, which is the Bible's way of kindly saying girlfriend was huge 
huge. She about to pop, all right? So Mary's about to pop. Her and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus had ordered a census to be taken in the Roman world. And so uh, Bethlehem was the ancestral home of King David. Joseph was in the line of King David. So they go to Bethlehem. That's where we're jumping in, verse 6. I'm going to read all of Luke 2. We're going to read all Luke 2, 6 through 11. So we're going to read the whole main scripture. Then we're going to break it down. Chicka, chicka, break it down. Haven't done that one in a while. So here we go. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, no duh, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I underlined three words or phrases there in the main scripture. And to answer our big question, we're going to work backwards with those three words. So Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. How does Christmas prove that? The first thing we see, starting with the third phrase I underlined, is this. The first thing, he came as one of us. He came as one of us. Now, I gotta, gotta challenge the believers in the room for a second. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the room um, and you think you know where this is going, please don't check out. <laughs> I know I, I have a tendency to do that if I'm listening to a sermon and I know that just out of humanity that sometimes we do, that you hear something like this, you're like, oh, I already know where he's going with this. I already understand this belief. I understand this part of Christianity. So you kind of check out. Don't check out, all right? I'll be the first to admit that really this whole sermon, if you're a Christian, this whole sermon may not be a revelation for you, but I have confidence it will be confirmation for you. It'll be encouragement for you. And even beyond that, and more importantly, as Christians in the room, we need to understand there are people who will hear this today that have not experienced Jesus yet like you have. Is that what we're praying for? So I need you to lean in and lock in and pray for me as I preach and pray for those who are listening that God would, would speak to them. So let's go back to verse 11. And that, that uh, third phrase I underlined, the first one we're looking at, is Messiah the Lord. So the Savior, yes, the Messiah the Lord's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. We're going to leave that up there as I kind of walk through this. So to, to the shepherds who received this angelic message and literally to all of the, the first readers of the gospel of Luke. So this guy named Luke, he was a doctor. He wrote this letter, we call it Luke. But the first readers of Luke, uh, they, they, would have, they would have read this if they understand Judaism and the Jewish faith, they would have read that and it was a game changer to them. An absolute game changer. Uh, the word Messiah there in the Greek language is the Greek word Christos. So it was written in Greek, and the word Messiah there is the Greek word Christos. It's where we get the word Christ. Then it has the phrase, the Lord, which in Greek is Kyrios. Okay? So you have Christos, Kyrios, right next to each other. And right here in Luke chapter 2 is the only place in all of the Bible where those two words are used together. Christos, Kyrios. And here's why that matters. 
The phrase the Lord or Kyrios in Greek is the word that when writing in Greek, they would most often use to refer to or describe the Old Testament Hebrew Jewish name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. So anyone reading this in Greek who understands Judaism would have saw Kyrios, but they would have known they're talking about Yahweh. All the way back in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, is where Yahweh comes from. So I know, I know follow me here. Okay? I'm, I'm get, I do have a point. We're going to get there somewhere uh, sometime. Moses asked God, if you send me back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let your people go, who do I say sent me? And God said, tell them Yahweh has sent you. And then the Lord said this, that is my eternal name, Yahweh. So if we look at it in Hebrew, Greek, and English, go to that next one. Yahweh in Hebrew is actually only four letters, Y-H-W-H. There's no vowels. We actually, side note, don't know how to actually pronounce the name Yahweh because Jewish people never passed down how to pronounce it. Because Jewish Hebrew people revered the name of God so much they wouldn't speak it. We can learn something, by the way, from the Jewish faith and the reverence for the name of God. But Yahweh in Hebrew is, is that. In Greek, it's Kyrios. And in English, it's the Lord. So literally, let's go back to verse 11. We're going to see the significance here. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord meaning Yahweh, Kyrios, God. Christ, God, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Or in other words, the angels were announcing to the shepherds and announcing to the world that God himself has come in the flesh. The theological term is called the incarnation, God in the flesh, that God loves us so much and he is so committed to us that he traded his throne in heaven for a feeding trough that animals would eat out of. This is why the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1 verse 23, Joseph, the the father of Jesus, the angel said this, look, the virgin will conceive a child She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That now God is among us. That that God came as one of us, Jesus. God in the flesh, he came as one of us. The eternal, omnipresent one entered into space and time. The creator who spoke the universe into existence with the breath of his mouth now becomes a part of his own creation. The God who is always in control becomes a helpless child with no control. The the truly pure and perfect one is thrust into an impure and an imperfect world. The Savior put on skin. Like I'm not sure our, our, our frail, feeble, tiny little brains can ever grasp the depth of what Jesus did at Christmas until we ourselves experience him in eternity. We stand before him and see him in all of his unveiled glory and we declare about Jesus, he came for me. Are you kidding Wow. Wow. Church, I hope we never lose sight of the miracle of Christmas. 
that God came for me. And he came for you as one of us. Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. So how does Christmas prove God's commitment? He came as one of us, number two. And again, please don't check out. It sounds so simple, but it's simple, but it's this. He came for all of us. He came as one of us, and he came for, for all of us. Luke 2, now, going to that, the next word I underlined, starting in the last part of verse 10, the angel said, I bring you good news. And what was the good news? That this good news that will bring great joy to who? All people. That's the good news. That this, this announcement of the Messiah is for all people. And then what we already read, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. That Jesus, God in the flesh, did not just come for certain people. He came for all people. And here's something else that's super cool about the, the Greek language this was written in. In the Greek language, so cool. You know what the word all, we see it in English as all. You know what the word all means in Greek? All. <laughs> Blew your mind, right? You're so glad you came today. So deep, Pastor Jeff. We actually see this in the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3:16. Even if you don't believe, you've probably heard this verse. For this is how God loved the world. He showed his commitment this way, that he gave his one and only son so that who? Everyone, all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. So who did God, who did God come for? He came for everyone, for everyone. And you're human like me, so I know that you might be thinking things like I do. You might be thinking, but, but did he really come for everyone? Like that person? that I know you're thinking of, because we all have one, let's just be honest. Like, did he really come for them? Or let's make it more personal. Did he really come for me? With all my sin, all my baggage, all my history, all my past, all the times I've walked away, did he really come for me? That's what I want to get to. Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. So how does Christmas prove that? He came as one of us. He came for all of us. And this last one is where the rubber meets the road. Number three, he came for the worst of us. And that's good news, friends. He came for the worst of us. You ever wonder why God chose the shepherds to share this news with first? It seems, seems kind of backwards, doesn't it? it seems, I'm not trying to offer God advice. I'm just saying it seems backwards. Like this is Emmanuel, a God with us, God in the flesh, Messiah, literally the long-awaited King of Israel, King of all kings, Lord of all lords, Savior of the world. You'd think God would have chosen to take that most important message he's ever given up the social, political, spiritual ladder, ladder a little bit further, right? Like, why not go to the mansions in Jerusalem where the wealthy people lived? Or to the palace where the king was? Or to the high priest in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem? Why not start there with this important message? But I believe God knew exactly what he was doing. I believe that when, when God went to the shepherds first, 
It was actually a sign to us. You see, shepherds in that day were, were almost always poor, uneducated, uncultured, and uncouth. In, at this time in Jewish history, shepherds were considered by the general population as untrustworthy people. In fact, they were so untrusted that a shepherd's testimony was not even admissible in the court of law. Worse than that, though, because of their occupation and what they were exposed to with caring for, for animals and all that came with that, especially in an, uh, um, without the modern amenities that we have, because of caring for animals, they were considered unclean by religious law. If it couldn't get any worse, it actually gets worse. Uh, they were actually officially labeled by the religious elite as sinners, which was a, a common term for any class of despised and rejected people. It was, it was scandalous, to say, to say the least, for the re- arrival of the Messiah to be announced first to these unclean sinners. But is it any really, really any surprise that this is who God chose to announce his arrival to? To these unclean sinners? I don't think it is. Uh, these were the kinds of people Jesus hung out with all through his ministry. All the way through his death and resurrection, these were the people he was with. It's one of the main reasons the the leaders drove Jesus to to the cross. Jesus always took the marginalized and made them the center of his mission. He always took the rejected and said, I want a relationship with you. He always went to the sinner and said, let me be your savior. In fact, on one such occasion when Jesus was hanging out with these sinners, the, the leaders of his day confronted him on it, and Jesus is recorded saying this in Luke 5, 31 and 32. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. It's who I came for. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5, verse 8, puts it this way for all of us, but God showed his great love for us, his commitment to us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Notice, it's not while we were righteous and clean and had our lives all figured out. No, while we were still sinners, when Jesus knew everything we would ever do against him, that's when he died for us. Paul wrote that. And yes, I know, Paul became God's chosen instrument to take the good news of Jesus around the world, but Paul was originally one of those leaders who hated Jesus. He hated those who followed Jesus. After Christ rose from the dead, it was Paul who led a movement of people to wipe out Christianity from the face of the earth. He went literally from town to town to town, arresting, imprisoning, even killing people for their faith in Jesus, but one day, Jesus intervened in his life. Paul put his faith in Jesus, received his grace, was forgiven of all of his sins, and in a moment, Paul went from murderer to missionary. His life was changed. And at the very end of his life, he would write one of his final letters. It was a letter to one of the young men he was mentoring named Timothy. In scripture, we call it 1 Timothy chapter 1, Verses 15 through 17, I believe Paul, looking back at his life, writes this. This is a trustworthy saying, 
and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. And then I believe my two favorite words in all of scripture, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners than others like you and me will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God, amen. Christmas proves that God's commitment to us is not based on our cleanliness before him. And how does it prove that? Well, he came as one of us. He came for all of us and he came for the worst of us. The Christmas story itself is screaming the gospel of Jesus. And, and, and I, I say it almost every single week in the exact same way. In fact, this is the moment in the sermon where again, in our humanity, those of us who believe are like, oh, I know where he's going and it's very easy to check out. But I actually end almost every single sermon with what I call a gospel presentation. And I say it almost the exact same way every single time. And what I've never told you is this, the reason I say it the exact same way every single time, because I know that in doing that, I'm actually equipping you to know how to share your faith with someone who doesn't believe. So the exact same way every single time. I'm gonna do it right now. We have this problem called sin. Not just that we all have sinned, but our sin separates us from a holy God. And the bad news is we can do nothing to bridge that gap between us and God. And if that gap, if that sin goes undealt with, it will be one day an eternal separation from God. But God offered so much mercy and grace in his love that he said, you can't bridge the gap, so I'll be the bridge. Jesus, God in the flesh, he came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, by faith in him can be forgiven of your sins, given a new life today, power to live your life for him every day. And then one day, by faith in him, you will spend eternity eternity with Emmanuel, God with us. That's the gospel. And we see it right here in the Christmas story. And listen, I fully believe that God has brought someone here today or he's caused you to watch online for some reason to receive this true life, eternal life from Jesus a life that only Jesus can give because only Jesus is the way in a manger. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father. No one gets to heaven, he said, except through me, Emmanuel, came as one of us, came for all of us, came for the worst of us. Have you ever put your faith in God through Jesus? If you haven't, 
that's the reason you're here today. It's the reason you're watching online or listening. It's for this moment. And I wanna lead you in a prayer of faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and for Jesus, God, to live in you. Just say this prayer silently in your heart. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. That he came for me. Died in my place, rose again, so Jesus, my faith is in you. You are God. My faith's in you. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. I repent. I I turn from, from my selfish, sinful way of living, and now by your power, I'll follow you in a new way. I receive from you salvation. Please live in my heart. I don't know how that works, but I want it. Thanks for loving me. I'm gonna do my best to love you back. It's in your name I pray, amen. Whether you're watching online or here in person, if you just put your faith in Jesus, welcome to the family of God. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Welcome to the family. Listen, it's the best decision you will ever make. It is the hardest one you'll ever live out. And we wanna help you live it out. We wanna welcome you, celebrate with you, and offer you a free resource that we created. And to get that resource, just text the word one to the number on the screen, 41400. Use your mobile phone, write it down, whatever you gotta do. Text one to 41400, and we'll send you a link to download a free resource, a devotional that we wrote to get you taking your next steps in Jesus. We're gonna close with communion here in a moment. If you're watching online, you can make sure and get your communion elements ready, your bread and your, and your drink, whatever that is. Um, but before that, I, I'm, I was so proud of our staff. We had a couple of staff members that, that recognized I, I close out the sermon the same way almost every single time with that gospel presentation. And they said, we, wanna, we actually want to further equip our people by getting that on paper for them. And so our staff has made a trifold business size card that literally has everything, almost word for word, the way I just gave the gospel presentation on a uh, business size card, starting with, we have a problem called sin, all the way through, here's a prayer to pray to put your faith in Jesus. We wanna make this available to you. On the top left corner of every uh, fold is a number. So you start with number one, and then you go to two, three, four, five, six. Uh, They're all numbered there, but it gives you uh, necessary tools you need to Maybe share your faith when someone asks, or you just need a reminder, what was that again? And you look it up, and you too can share your faith. I promise you, if you live for Jesus, people around you will notice. They're gonna wanna know what's different. And by using this card, you can tell them. They won't even care if you read it. I promise you, when when they ask that question, they're ready to hear it. They can read it right off the card. And maybe you could lead someone to Jesus too. That'd be awesome. You, you, you work and live and are, are, are around people who don't know Jesus. So, so take those. They're available at the door on the way out, by the way, and we'll have those available um, continuing forward as well. Communion is a, an act of worship where we take some bread and we take a, some juice and we say, Lord, we're, we're doing what you asked. You said every time we eat this bread, every time we drink the juice to remember you, your body given for us, your blood shed for us, for even the worst of sinners. You don't have to be a member here to take communion. We do think you should know Jesus and have your faith in him. So if you wanna even use the time of communion to put your faith in Christ, you can do that. But here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray to close. And then uh, we have these prepackaged communion cups up front here. You don't have to take communion. If you don't want to or you're not ready to, literally, 
please don't. I want you to do it only when you're ready. There's no judgment, no frowning upon people who don't take it. So after I'm done praying, if you wanna leave, you can. That's totally fine. If you're gonna take communion, please stay in your seat for, for just for a couple of minutes and let the, anybody who needs to leave exit. And then send one per person from each party up front to get the communion element. So if there's five of you in your party, send one person to get five cups and the bread is with it as well. You tear off the top and the bread is there. Go back to your seat and you can stay as long as you need to, praying, worshiping, thanking God and receiving communion. There's not a better message than this one for communion. Jesus, God in the flesh, gave his body and gave his blood. For who? All of us, even the worst of us. Thank you, Lord, for that. I love you guys. Um, Next week, we'll pick up with Jesus as the way to true joy. Father in heaven, there's not any words that can describe the gratitude we have for what you did. We can't comprehend it. Our tiny little brains can't contain it. But as best we can, even through communion, we're gonna, we're gonna thank you and worship you for being a God who didn't just stay silent or separate. You came, you died, you rose again. And we praise you for that. Lord, may we never lose sight of that miracle. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed to go or to hang out for communion. Love you guys. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.